The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage, near Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two to his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find there a colt who has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away, found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told him what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread out their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It has become the custom among many churches within Christianity for the lesson for Palm Sunday to read a big chunk of the narrative of Passion Week. And we've accommodated this by having rather having people stand for the gospel, stay seated, and assigning several readers so one person isn't reading what turned out to be four or five pages of reading. Um, I'm not going to do that. It is Palm Sunday, and we're observing Palm Sunday. But I think the message needs to be there. And I also think, while the invitation is already extended to join us for Thursday evening and Friday evening services to walk that path of the passion with Jesus, most of people will not do it. So I want to put up a juxtaposition. I want to propose that there are two crowds. There's one that are waving palm branches and spreading them on the ground for Jesus, along with their cloaks, for Jesus to enter. And they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, welcome the one who's coming in the name of the Lord who is going to bring back the kingdom of David. And then there's another crowd assembled just as we understand it five mornings later saying, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas. My question, and I've wondered this for a long time, and I've, I've come to some conclusions, is that is it the same crowd? Is it the same people shouting, Hosanna? when Jesus entered Jerusalem that are shouting crucify him just five mornings later? I suspect it is, or at least in many cases. Because I think people have had and have expectations about God. People then definitely had expectations about 
who their Messiah was. Who were they welcoming? Who were they shouting Hosanna for and throwing down palm branches? And I think Jesus dis dis disappointed many of them. I think if you go back and observe what went on right after Jesus came in, we start to get answers. So I'm going to actually highlight some of the stuff that happened that week. The next day after he was brought in with such acclamation, such joy and celebration, Jesus goes to the temple and he throws out the money changers. He disrupts the business that is taking place in the temple. But he also disrupts the way the people had been practicing their faith. See, they had grown used to coming into the temple and exchanging their Roman coins for temple coins and purchasing the appropriate sacrificial animals which to use to observe their God. So Jesus didn't just disrupt the temple's business. He disrupted the way people would worship. And then what does he do? Um, they question his authority and he twists the words back around on them by holding up, well, whose baptism was John's baptizing in? Was he baptizing just because he felt like it? Or was he baptizing in the name of God? And people were afraid, those in authority, because they knew that if they said, well, geez, John was just on his own, but John was a popular figure. John remained a popular figure. So they didn't want to turn the people against him. So he, he cornered the temple authorities. Then he tells the story of the parable of the wicked tenants, and it's easy to figure out who he's talking about. He is talking about God's people. He's talking about the people the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, the people who have been faithful, the people who are anticipating the Messiah. He's talking about them. And they don't like it. Then they ask him about paying taxes. Why should we pay taxes to Rome? And he says, well, look at that coin you're holding up. Whose picture's on it? You know, the emperor's. Well, give the emperor's what the emperor's. Give God what is God's. Oh, he goes on, he corners the Sadducees, they want to know about resurrection, and he twists things around on them, challenges their think what they know about the time after we leave this earth. He emphasizes that we need to love God and love one another above everything else, above commerce, above safety, above security, above the factor of whether or not the Romans should even be there. He denounces the scribes. He holds up the widow's offering who only gave two simple copper coins because she gave all she had as opposed to the wealthy who were giving out of their wealth. Yes. He really did not help himself out. He really did not fulfill the anticipation of what the people thought the Messiah was going to do. Restore the kingdom of David. So they plot to kill him. And Passion Week is well underway. The God who disappoints us. 
the God who does not live up to our expectations of God. And in this conclusion of the week, he's betrayed by one of his closest. He's denied by one of his closest. He's arrested. He's condemned on trumped-up charges. And he's crucified. And I suspect the same people that shouted, Hosanna, 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 also shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And those people are us. Those people are all those times that we denied God, we ignored God, we walked away from God because God does not act in the way we expect, the way we want, the way we think we need God to act. We want vengeance and justice, and God says, here is love. Practice love. We want to be blessed with health and fortune, and those close to us, indeed those of us ourselves, end up getting sick and die. And for many of us, fortune is elusive. We expect a God who is going to be present and make clear what God expects. And whether that comes, that form comes in a lightning bolt from heaven wiping out the unjust, or that comes with the scratch off lottery chicken, oh, we've won, our life is made. And we we are continuing to be disappointed by that God. So in the end, we say crucify him. Let's see if he can save himself. Let's see some act. And yet, some of Jesus' last words on the cross were forgive him. Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Amen. Oh,